Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Cell Press with Original Uranium Baby. That's the third track off of their upcoming LP, Cages. It'll be released March 8th through three different labels. The Ghost is Clear, Ancient Temple, and No List. Where, why, and how each of those are involved, I'm not sure exactly. 
But honestly, the selling point for me was seeing that the ghost is clear stamp. And that says that's something that I want to listen to. And this track, Original Uranium Baby, confirms that that's a great indicator of awesome music. These guys are based out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. It's not their first record, and I can't imagine it'll be their last. They seem like they're on a roll. They put out a self-titled EP in 2020 which drew a little bit of attention their way, but I believe that this LP Cages is going to draw even more, starting right now here on Getting It Out Podcast. We like, I like, Cell Press, and I want you to like Cell Press too. So please, once you're done with listening to this episode, episode 371 of Getting It Out Podcast, then you can go and check out the rest of Cell Press and their discography. There's a lyric video out there for another track on this record called Things They Do in France. What do they do in France? Go find out for yourself after you listen to this, because on this episode, you're going to jump into a conversation I had with Drew Slavic of See You Next Tuesday. I said that with a weird rhythm, and that's okay because sometimes they use weird rhythms too. Some people might call rhythm bounce, and who bounces better than the best crossover thrash band from New Jersey right now, Hot Zone, and here they are doing what they do. Check it! I'm not exactly sure where I got the information, but up until just minutes ago, I've been living the lie that I shouldn't have more than two, maybe three cups of coffee today. A simple Google search just told me a safe amount is up to four to five. Things have now changed officially. Will I do it? I don't know. That kind of fucks with my routine, but I'm going to consider it. All right. Why not? Okay. If I can have more, why shouldn't I? Moderation? Yeah, I understand that. That's why I don't drink all day every day. That's why I wait till 10 a.m. to eat candy. That's why I don't eat any calories aside from coffee from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Do any of those things matter? I have no idea or evidence that they do or don't. I just do them. It's not like working out where I can see the results or the lack thereof. Whether it works or not, I don't know. That's similar to uh, this podcast, whether it grows or not. I don't know. I don't check the fucking numbers. I see who interacts with me on uh, social medias and all that. I've asked you, my loyal listeners, to rate and review uh, five stars everywhere you can. I don't know if you do it because I forget to check if you did. And then when I do check, I don't remember what the number was previously. But I know if it's only in the 50s, like seven years in. Nobody does it. All right. I don't do it. I don't do it for other people's podcasts. I don't do it for other people's podcasts unless I dislike them. That's some honesty right there. If there's somebody out there that does a podcast and I don't like them, I'll hit play for a minute just so I can rate it zero stars. Okay. I can think of one podcast I've done that to. I should do it to more. Just this week, actually, just last night, I realized that Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, that is, has had a Alan Iverson and Jason Kelsey on his podcast this week or within the last week. Those are two Philadelphia sports legends. And I thought, OK, I should listen to this. I typically will listen to uh, Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson's uh, The Steam Room podcast, which is excellent, by the way. It might make you cry, but that's by design. Sports guy cry, to be clear, not, not like woman cry. This It's different. It's just I don't feel I need to go into that further. You know what I mean? My wonderful wife always laughs at the way us bros cry about sports. I try to keep my tears internal. Anyway, this thing wasn't about sports. 
It was about podcast ratings. I've almost lost track. So yesterday I follow the Big Shack podcast or whatever it's called. And I notice it's only been out since like December and its rating is 2.3 out of five. How bad could it be? I haven't listened to it yet. Is it Shaq's voice? It could be. The guy's a little bit hard to understand. But I think most people would know that going into it. So why does a guy that famous, that big, that well-known, that well-liked get rated 2.3 out of five? I don't know. I got to figure it out. Maybe he's got a lot of haters like me going in there just listening to one second so he can rate it zero. Hard to imagine. I don't know. Anyway, this podcast you're going to listen to and rate it a five or you're going to rate it a five in your mind because I know you're not going to physically do it anywhere where it actually matters. Though I'm sure those rankings in your brain are most important to you. And uh, you know what? Rightfully so. What you'll find here is an interview with Drew Slavic of See You Next Tuesday. The band name that's kind of an acronym, but not at all. It's a very confusing thing. I don't know how we came up with this abbreviation, but we did. Anyway, See You Next Tuesday was resurrected last year and put out an awesome new album called Distractions. Now they're back with a new one, a remix of that album called Relapses. Drew and I talked all about that. That record's available now. It was released last week on Good Fight Music. So please do yourself a favor, pick it up, check it out, listen, enjoy. But first, I'm going to give you a preview of that record. I'm going to play you a song from Relapses. This is Desired Departure, the John Connor edit.
Well, I, I, I always say that Converge was my gateway band. Uh, <laughs> I remember going to like a tattoo shop. I was like 16 or 17 and I, I was getting my eyebrow pierced because I was new metal. I'm 40. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. So same age. I get it. I, you know, this, I was having this exact conversation yesterday. Uh, it would be cool to have a labray piercing or an eyebrow piercing or maybe a bearded or a braided goatee would have been pretty awesome. Um, but <laughs> That, yeah. was, All right, so that was the thing. That was the thing for sure. So you don't need to justify it for me. I get it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, my mom signed off on me to get my eyebrow pierced. Cause uh, you know, Des Faraha or whatever you say his name from cold <laughs> chamber had his pierced. Right. Uh, so anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, that's where my music was though. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm born and raised in Bay city, Michigan. It's a little town, less than 30,000 people. Um, two hours from a big city. Um, and I live, you know, somewhat in the country ish grew up in the country ish, you know, I say ish because it's like, it's a town, you know, like you can drive third 25 miles and, or you can drive through town and, and find like restaurants and stuff. It's not like right, more of a, more of a suburb, not necessarily rural. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's mixed though. Cause I, I technically live in a rural area, but it's just, I'm just less than a mile up the road from seeing like a, you know, a, a restaurant or a bar or something like that. If I got hungry, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, I mean, my music was very limited growing up, you know, like I had MTV mm -hmm. and that's what we had. And uh, on MTV was, you know, corn and slipknot and well, not necessarily slipknot, but uh, I guess that was like, you know, I went to Ozfest and stuff like that. So I learned about Oz, uh, slipknot through that. Um, but yeah, um, I was getting my eyebrow pierced. I walked in this tattoo shop and playing on the loudspeaker was, uh, uh, Jehovah's ladder off of when forever comes crashing. And, uh, I just remember hearing that intro and then you hear Jacob Bannon's voice come in and I was just like, what the fuck was this? What is this? I remember asking like the tattoo artist or the piercer dude. Right. I mean, he was just some fucking guy in his twenties. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, he was just like, oh, is this band converge. And then, you know, uh, less than a year later, I'm back at that same tattoo shop getting a shitty tattoo of, um, you know, the, uh, I'd have to kind of pull it out here but you know i have the yeah, the fucking the, guy <laughs> the <artwork>. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so but yeah they i mean i i memorialized them because to me it, like i said it's they they were my gateway they were the first band that i heard that was something totally different yeah so uh to kind of continue that story my buddy adam and i I remember shortly after finding that out, we drove down to Wyatt Earp, which was like the vinyl and CD store. It was the record store of Northern Michigan. Like everybody went to Wyatt Earp if you want to get anything cool. Like you walked in and they had bongs and I was like, you know, 18, like, Oh shit. Bongs. Right. That's what they look like. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember going in there and I bought, um, bought a Converge record, you know, I found a Coalesce record and then like the guy there kind of started recommending like relapse stuff. So then, you know, I started looking for, you know, remember little relapse CDs, they had that little the OB strip on top. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. you could see it. Like if you right. were to look at a thousand CDs that were uh, in a, like in a shelf that were mm -hmm. for sale, you'd see the relapse once. So I remember pulling the, that stuff out and, you know, um, 
you know, you come across like Dillinger Escape Plan and Coalesce and just these insane fucking bands. So that's, that's, that's where I started delving into it, man. It was probably those three bands were like the first ones that like, I remember walking out with, uh, 12 seconds by Coalesce, you know, calculating infinity by Dillinger escape plan and when forever comes crashing from converge and being like, I have music. This is neat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a cool time to get it. Cool. Cool. Introductory bands too. And, uh, somewhat accessible in that the records you could, you could find them because they were on, um, bigger labels. Um, not necessarily, not the biggest. Right. But I remember those same, same, uh, bands being available in like the mall. Right. Right. Whether it was Camelot music or the yeah. wall for me, you know, like those things. I sure, find yeah. those. Um, I remember buying a revolution and just listening and, um, and probably, so good. probably uh, Jane Doe was probably the first converged one that, no, you know what? It was, a. Uh, which, which one has the saddest day? It was that one. Is it, is that petitioning an empty sky? That's petitioning. I was talking about where, when forever comes oh, crashing. That one, that one's the one before. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to think of the one that the first one that I came across. And that was, that yeah. Was, saddest day was when forever yeah. comes crashing. That's what the tattoo is from, which is actually a, a painting by Aaron Turner of ISIS, which is fucking mm. awesome. Yeah, I yeah. saw that full painting. Carl Severson from ferret has that painting in his living room. It's like 10 feet tall. It's crazy. <laughs> That's very cool. And it's interesting yeah. to think like this stuff got to end up somewhere, you know, somebody's holding on to it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All, all those like, you know, uh, death metal records and stuff from the eighties that were all paintings, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody has to own that There's shit. Seagrave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. All right. Well, cool. Cool. That's uh, you and I, obviously similar age, similar era, similar introduction sure. point. It sounds, it sounds like, um, yeah. so when do you start see you next Tuesday? Cause I, I remember seeing see you next Tuesday, not visually. Like I remember seeing the name, hearing about the band. Uh, okay. but I don't remember when exactly that is. So you tell me when the band starts and gets rolling. Um, we've technically we formed in 2004. Um, but it wasn't until the summer of 2006 that we put out that three song summer sampler. It was totally DIY. Um, it was actually, um, uh, we like we we printed the cds like i remember like ordering them at like 500 a time at a time or whatever we could afford you know <laughs> and uh they were just like a cd in a little jacket and we reached out to this uh this kid chad linger that was an artist that we found on myspace and he did the artwork for us and yeah it was those three songs that that kind of like set us apart i guess because we kind of like paved the way for not necessarily paved the way, but we kind of jumped in the stream with all these other like really wacky bands, you know, like number mm-hmm. 12 looks like you sawtooth grin. Like we kind of, kind of started coming up right around the same time as, as, as all those bands with each other, you know, like everybody was kind of doing something crazy and over the top. And uh, so, yeah, we just started hitting the road. Um, we would do like show trades on MySpace, you know, um, you know, just find a band in an area and message them be like, Hey, we see that you play in this city all the time. We're going to be coming through anytime, any chance you could hook us up with the show. And like, sometimes we'd play somebody's kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes we would play, you know, like a church or a hall, or it was very rare to see venues back in those days. <laughs> right. But, um, 
but I mean like floor shows, DIY shows and stuff. That's what we grew up playing. And, um, so we just brought these CDs out with us and we just gave them away, try to try to make some money, sell a shirt or something, but we were giving these CDs out. And then, um, fast forward to like 2007. So we had been kind of like on and off the road as much as we could. And, um, just doing it the old school way, man. Just literally just giving people your fucking record to listen to. And the name starts to, to grow. And MySpace was obviously a catalyst for things, having the player right on your page, you know? And then, um, then there was like that era. Remember in 2007, where like all these labels are like started signing bands that were MySpace bands, like Suicide right. Silence, Job for a Cowboy, all these bands that um, exclusively got attention because of MySpace, which is good on them. You know what I mean? They utilized the tool of the time. And um, yeah, man, just all these bands started getting cherry picked by bands. And we received a, a you know, a message from Carl Severson of, of Ferret. And we were just like, Oh my God, Ferret records. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I remember, I remember reading that email, you know, sitting in my room or whatever. And like looking around, there's like a, every time I die poster right there. And like in my laundry basket folded over the side was like in a life once lost t-shirt. You know what I mean? So it was just sure. like, yeah. I'm going to be on a label with all these bands. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that was it. You know, we, uh, we recorded parasite, um, and it was all stuff that we had, we had cooking, you know, we had all that shit ready. So it kind of was like mm -hmm. the opportune moment. Um, even though the record was way shorter than, than fair, it would have liked, but I mean, it was like, you know, for what we are doing, 16 minutes is a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then from there it was just, you know, we we conceded and and or we um we wanted to tour and were able to tour and we got put on tours and you know just kind of go went from there so What's, we just it's interesting you mentioned like the the myspace thing the the wacky bands the ba specifically i i get i told you earlier i, I was just talking to job for a cowboy yesterday and I, i'm gonna say yeah, like yeah, almost yeah. the exact same thing to you as i said to him for me back then that time you're talking mid 2000s mid to late 2000s that's when yeah. me personally i'm like it's hardcore and that's it and everything else is fucking stupid <laughs> so to me like you know what i mean because i'm like it's it's terror and i'm gonna wear caramel shorts today and my t-shirts are black and i might have a bandana on that's what i was doing and that's was that what i was dead serious about so bands like see you next tuesday and job for a cowboy and suicide silence to me were like terrible like get that get shit the, out of get here get the fuck out of here i get it i get it are they being weird on purpose like you know what i mean like it was i was too serious even though i thought i had a sense of humor about it i didn't you know but in hindsight i see the flaw in all of it of course but yeah sure yeah. sure but uh so but you guys obviously benefited a lot from that area like you said before doing things and being the way that you were it worked out for a lot of bands at least at the time um did you feel all the hate too though um, you know, weirdly enough, I, uh, what part of Pennsylvania are you in? Lancaster. Lancaster. Okay. So the other side of the state, we, uh, I, I was just talking about this story with somebody else. Um, we just got back from a little, uh, weekend run with meth and deaf club. Mm -hmm. Um, and the dudes in deaf club are like in every band in the world. And I was just chit chatting with, uh, 
one of the other drummer just talking about, you know, random shows that you get put on and stuff. I remember, and, and they, we were kind of talking about exactly this. Like, when did you stop giving a shit about people not liking what you're doing? Cause it is, it is weird. Right. Yeah. And I remember like we, when we would tour, we, it just depended on the show. We get on some shows and there'd be a band that hated us or like people here to see this metalcore band and they didn't, they didn't like us, but it wasn't like, it was just, you know, people were, they weren't like terrible people, but like, you could tell like that people didn't give a shit, you know, they all go outside, you'd play to an empty room and then, you know, misery signals would come on next and, you know, the place would fill up. But, um, we played this one show in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, and it was, uh, it was Brook and, um, man, I want to say rain Supreme. And there was one more hardcore band. It was this package. And we just like happened to be, we crossed paths and like the promoter let us play kind of thing. And I remember going into this and it was everybody that you just described, you know, basketball shorts (laughs) and camo shorts exclusively. It was like, it was, it was a hall that was like also a a basketball rink. Right. So, you know, it's just like skeet sneakers squeaking on the ground because all these kids are moshing and stuff. And we got up there and we're just like, all right, guys, we could either A, get booed off the stage, B, they might beat us up, probably not, or maybe we'll just put on a show and and see what happens. So we just went fucking ape shit at that show. You know what I mean? I remember like it was one of the first times like I climbed up on top of my guitar cab and just like fucking jumped off of it. And our drummer, Andy, stood up and dropped down and hit his toms and shit. And I remember like the dudes from Donnybrook just chilling there, like watching us like, what the fuck is this? And people watched, but they clearly didn't hate. Yeah. Afterwards, dude, we sold shirts to these like kids with terror shirts on. And like the bass, I remember the bass player of Donnybrook came up and like puts his arm around me. This gigantic man puts his arm around me. He's like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was awesome. You know, and it was just like, yeah, all right. You know, you, you give it your all and people, people respect that at least, you know, at least in a live situation. Obviously, it's a lot different nowadays because like every, you know, we're not touring as much and, most people are just listening to it on Spotify or whatever. And there's so much more shit out there nowadays. So like, I feel like it's easier to scrutinize nowadays. That's pretty much what I would expect because there's a, there's a totally a disarming quality when somebody's up there, you goes for it in front of you. Like, how are you going to hate on somebody for, right. <laughs> for, for doing that? For like, just like, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's what shows somebody that like, what you're doing you're passionate about and i've always said that about myself and in, in this band is that like I've, I've always had a passion for writing music and i'm weird so my output of music is weird mm-hmm. that's just that is what it is but, right. but like you said people can see when when an artist or a musician is passionate about something and even if they don't like it it, it at least tends to not receive hate if that right. makes sense, because yeah. people at least respect that, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel. I know we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that's kind of how I feel about this new record that's coming out, this relapses, you know, mm-hmm. because it's all these other artists that helped us 
um, make these songs and help us make this album, then it's like, even if it's not your thing, at least you can appreciate that 12 artists from all over the world, like banded together and put this whole record together. You know what I mean? Like it's right. just so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It's super interesting. And of course we're getting, we're going to get to that. That's the whole, yeah. that's the whole thing here, but that's I the end game. To, yeah. I wanted to comment on the next record intervals. Seems like you guys, took it more seriously. Was that a thing that was, was oh, that yeah. an intentional thing? And uh, again, this is like a similar to, I feel like a lot of bands like yourselves from there, maybe it was just a couple, maybe it feels like a lot. And it was only just a couple who seemed um, from an outsider perspective to be coming in with a lot of shock value. And then eventually like being like, all right, let's and shock value, not necessarily in like a, maybe just the long album titles, the, the, the name, even, yeah, yeah. whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, the difference between parasite and intervals, um, parasite was stuff that I wrote over years. Like the summer sampler was, was re-recorded on that record. And a handful of those songs we had been playing since 2005 and didn't record them and put them on a record till 2007. So by the time 2007 rolls around, I discovered this amazing band called Rotten Sound. <laughs> and um, that's when I that's when I really started getting into grindcore. Mm -hmm. You know, so my discography from 2005 to 2007, the bands that I was like listening to, you know, 2005 was a lot of Daughters, Sawtooth Grin, Number 12 Looks Like You. Um you know, like that and Dillinger escape plan converge, you know, like a lot of that more just crazy stuff into the moat, Psyopus, Tony Danza, Tampton's extravaganza, all those bands. Sure. I remember that, them all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's how I started getting into metal. And the more I saturated myself with it, you know, we kind of found our sound with parasite and then inherently I just wanted to become heavier and so we started tuning our guitars down more. And um, again, I, I found bands like Rotten Sound and Origin and uh, Regurgitate. I mean, um, I remember buying a copy of Cycles in 2008 for, of uh, Rotten Sound. And man, that fucking record absolutely changed my my approach to music, you know what I mean? Just like, it was such a banger of, I don't know if you're familiar with rotten sound. At all. Oh yeah. I've had, I've had uh, I forget his name, but the vocalist I've had him on here. Oh yeah. 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 Awesome. This last year we'll to talk about their last record. Yeah. Oh, apocalypse. Yeah. And that fucking yes. record ribs. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, and then, you know, like nasum and regurgitate, it was another path that I started. So like a lot of that European grind stuff I started getting into. And then of course, American death metal, you know, like, um, the techier stuff, you know, um, like, like origin and things of that nature. Um, so my tastes were getting more aggressive. Um, I started steering away from more of the wacky, sassy white belted music right. and listening to more of the, the camo shorts and long hair music. But then when intervals came around for us to write a record, um, we also, that one was a, a collaboration as an actual band. Like Parasite was pretty much exclusively written in my head. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I just taught the other musicians how to play it. And like, you know, we worked out some stuff, Andy and I, the drummer at the time, but for the most part it was like ideas that I, I wrote, you know, and then intervals was a, a lot of them, you know, a lot of everybody else, even, even Fox or singer had input on, you know, the song order and the structure of the, the album and all that stuff. So, um, it was a collaborative, you know, it was, it was an actual band that wrote that record. Um, so it's very different from what I would ever write on my own as well. You know, I was listening to the heaviest of shit heavy and, but I mean, and I was the only one that was doing that too. Cause Andy still listened to nothing but, you know, like hum and weird right. emo stuff, Jimmy eats world and stuff. And <laughs> Fox was, you know, he was super into like bleeding through and from a second story window. And so, I mean, we all had different stuff that we brought to the table and uh yeah that just made that record you know vastly different because it came out a year later but really it came out three years later for us because we mm -hmm. we finished those other songs so long ago and we played them so long that like i got kind of over it <laughs> it's weird even now because like obviously you know we're remembered because of parasite like a lot of our older fans that come back still like parasites the record for them and it's just like man i don't even I can't, I don't even listen to that. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's, it's, it's funny. And I, I, I mean, I think like, I mean, for me often, my favorite record is whatever record I found first from a band. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that's just, that tends to be the way it is. Like it, that's, that's, that's more common than not. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm weird in the, in the way that I, I personally go listen to the newest record of, if I find a band, I'll go listen to the newest thing that they put out. Um, just because like, you know, I mean, that's where they're at right now. Yeah. You know, I get, so, I get that. that. But, uh, my argument, I guess, against that would be, Oh, a band someone, is that you better. No, no, no. My, my, my argument against what you're saying though, like if, if someone finds see you next Tuesday, next week, you don't necessarily want them to start with distractions, do you? Uh, yeah, I would for sure. Okay. Cause that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause uh, distractions is the closest to where we are right now. And I mean, we're, we're currently even writing more stuff and it's going to be even more dark and weird. I you will, know what I mean? We'll get to that then. But <laughs> so before, before we get there, I want to just go to the, uh, the 15 year gap between <laughs> intervals and distractions so we can't ignore the 15 year gap what sure what happened what why was why was there easy question why was there a 15 year gap between releases um maybe not an easy answer but an easy question yeah um it's a it's a weird answer um first off i mean we we initially just wanted to take a hiatus um we had toured for almost two and a half years straight um, I think 2007 and 2008, we maybe spent six weeks, six, 10 weeks home, you know, um, it was fucking nuts. I mean, we were just, we were doing like 30 day tours, you know, crash at somebody's house and then, and you know, start another tour right we're after doing that Europe another, and stuff too. Yep. Did Europe a couple of times. We did, uh, Mexico, uh, you know, we went, flew to Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, um, you know, wherever we could go, you know, and, uh, we just got burned out. Um, Fox mostly was the catalyst because, um, he was a tattoo artist and anytime he was home, he was 
working on his apprenticeship and stuff like that. And he'd finished his apprenticeship and he's always been a very talented uh, artist, like painter and drawer, cartoonist. Um, and uh, he was just like, I, I could start this tattoo career and, and, you know, like, and start my life now. And here he is now owning a tattoo shop and being, you know, a very respected Michigan tattoo artist. Um, but yeah, it was, that was the start of it. It was just like, I, he wanted to start a career and we were all burnt out. So we're like, well, let's take a hiatus. And like an idiot, I started drinking again. <laughs> um, not to get too weird. No, I'm just, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, it is what it is. Um, I started drinking when I was 13. I stopped when I was 17 after almost dying a couple times. Wow. Um, and then I went all the way to my th- uh, early thirties before I actually had a drink in a bar legally. Holy shit. Good for you. Yep. That's I was, yeah. Um, and I started drinking and music just didn't matter anymore. And then, <laughs> you know, I just, Things got dark and ultimately that's where distractions came out of um, COVID for me was uh, I was a mailman and I was working 70 hours a week. And my wife was a hairdresser who became unemployed and stayed at home and also took to the liquor. And uh, in, in October 19th of 2020, I, uh, her and I both took our last drinks. So I'm coming up on uh a little over three years now that I haven't had a drink of alcohol. That's pretty impressive, especially to do it at that time. I'm not sober. I drink. I'm not drinking right now. This is water. But sure. Right. But uh, my wife and I realized at one point during that part, the, the COVID era, we were, I think yeah. we we're like two years in, like, I think we have drank every single day because it was just like such an easy thing to do at the time. So for you to, right. to stop yeah. that is pretty impressive. And, and I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I know, I know I'm an actual, I'm an alcoholic. I, yeah. I know that because like, I, I look at other people that can just like sit down and have one or two beers and then mm-hmm. that's it. And I'm like, that's not me. If, if I take a drink beer, if I, if I have one beer, I mean, I'll put down a fifth of gin that's it. and I will, I will be blackout somewhere and wake up the next day dead you know like just dead feeling right right and i did i did that for eight months wow every single day i mean i work i got up at 5 a.m i went to work at 6 a.m i worked till 6 p.m i went in at dark i got out at dark Mm -hmm. and i'd get home and i'd like before i'd even jump in the shower i was taking shots of gin and then i just pour myself gin and tonics till I passed out and woke up at five the next day and did it again. The, uh, the mailman's schedule. I don't think people know how brutal that is. Is that, do you agree with that? That it's a kind of a brutal schedule or not? Not anymore. Mm. During, during COVID. um, It just was one of those things where like so many people were sick, you know, Um, so many people had like, you know, somebody that, um, it was in cancer remission. So like the post office was like, you're a health risk. We'll, we'll pay you to stay home. Hmm. And, you know, then there's, you know, 47 routes in my office and, you know, seven of them are open every day. So I'd have to carry my route plus half another route or if not another route. So that was what it was. I mean, now I work seven thirty to, I work seven thirty to three thirty. Oh, that's day. not bad. That's not bad. At yeah. All. 
but I've also been a mailman for seven years now. Um, and like, I, I get to elect my overtime, you know, we're not in the middle of a pandemic anymore. So like just this past Christmas, I signed the overtime list and worked a couple of 50 hour weeks and I hated it. <laughs> this was like a flashback to the fucking, the shitty time, but <laughs> right, right. so distractions comes out of the end of all that. Yeah. So after, um, I'd say a few months after sobriety. So like that Christmas of 2020, I was two months without a drink and uh, I was going crazy, man. Like it's tough. My wife was still sitting at home and I worked so fucking much. I made gobs of money. And uh, she was just like, you need to buy yourself a guitar. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't fucking do any music. I don't know. I didn't really play a lot of music. I had a banjo and like an acoustic guitar and stuff. And, you know, I played a little bit, but, um, it, it had been a while since I like picked up and played guitar, guitar and mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And, um, she was just like, what's something that you've always wanted? And uh, I was like a Paul Reed Smith, man. I called him a lawyer guitar because I knew I'd never be able to afford one. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, could we afford it right now? I'm like, well, yeah, I work 70 hours a week. <laughs> it's, you know, 16 hours of that is double time. <laughs> right. right. And, um, so I bought it and it's right here, actually. I was just uh, toying around with some scratch tracks, but this nice. was the guy. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the color I wanted. I ended up buying a second one later on. Um, I had hanging up on the wall back there in like a charcoal color. But uh, it was during COVID. So, you know, like nothing was in stock, you know, like um, I had to wait for this one even. But uh, yeah, and that was that was the catalyst, man. I bought that guitar and I, uh, you know, I already had like some studio stuff set up. And honestly, mostly what I did for studio wise was all electronic music. Gotcha. Um yeah just, you know, playing around with synthesizers. And I was, I've used Ableton live for, for uh, going on 15, 16 years now. So I was just, uh, I had all this stuff and I just, you know, started buying shit. My wife was just like, buy yourself stuff. You should buy this stuff. She was very supportive, but she knew, you know, like we both had to have something to get ourselves past that, that hiccup of not drinking, you know, like, um, we battled it differently, you know, mm -hmm. and I just, I knew I needed to keep my mind busy and she knew that about me and she pushed for me to play music. And then, so yeah, I started writing songs and I'd say 
late January, early February, I, uh, I wrote what a funny girl you used to be the, the, the second track. Well, technically the opening track, not the intro to the record, but the, the first main track. And then, yeah, I, I wrote probably two, three more and I was recording it and I did all, I programmed all the drums, you know, cause I didn't know what, it, I didn't know I was writing a C next Tuesday record. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I had programmed all the drums and stuff and I wrote, I think four songs. I wrote what a funny girl you used to be this happy madness. I had the craziest dream. And then I wrote, Hey, look, no crying. And then I finally was like, all right, I think I'm writing an album. So I, I finally sent it to, um, the, the living members of see you next Tuesday at the time, I should say that we had starting in 2016, we did play a few shows here and there. Right. We actually right. did a festival that beer and brutal fest in 2018 and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had like a lineup, you know, like we talked every once in a while, but they, they knew that like I was busy and we're all busy. And you know, the, the thought of writing a record was never on the table. Sure. But then I send them these songs and, uh, they were, they were impressed, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they just kind of urged me to continue doing what I was doing, you know, and it was kind of my thing. It was my recovery path. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it became another record that I, I, I kind of soloed as far as wrote. And then the, uh, with the, with intentions that Andy was going to re-record everything at some point. So then, yeah, I, I ended up finishing the record. Fox comes over. He does a bunch of vocals over the course of a couple months. Um, I end up writing a couple more songs while he's doing that. And, um, then, yeah, we finished a record in June of 21, about a year and a half, uh, total. But again, it was one of those things where it's like, for me, it lives literally, I had a shitty day. I would really like to go next door to that store and buy a bottle of gin, but I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go in my studio and I'd sit in here till two in the morning. Like I was at the bar and not get sleep and just sit there and write and record and mix and produce this record. So I, I, I did all, it all. I did all the instrumentation, everything except for the vocals. And then, like I said, Chris kind of came in here and there, did some vocal stuff um, as it was progressing. And then, like I said, June, we finished it. And then uh, we're getting ready to do like, you know, plan the drum aspect of it. And I bet I'd send them to Andy and he said he was working on them, but apparently he didn't. <laughs> um yeah, our drummer Andy at the time, he basically was just like, man, my job is offering me a really great position. I got to take it, man. I'm like, it's, it's stupid of me not to. And I'm like, fair enough. It is what it is. So we just sent the record in with programmed drums. And I was like, it, it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound terrible to me. I think it sounds decent enough. You know, I tried to make it as sound as realistic as possible. And then we we scrambled for a while, but eventually we found uh, Jimmy Blastbeats, who is drumming for us now, and he has been since uh, I think July of twenty one is when he uh, joined joined the band. So, or twenty two, well, June of twenty two. I'm sorry. Yeah, when Distractions was announced and then put up for pre order, uh, I seem to remember it all going really fast and being like a like having a very good, very strong reaction were you expecting that when you resurrected the band 
<laughs> oh shit, no. <laughs> uh no, man. I was like, I was so like, no one's gonna give a shit about this. Like, I was trying to promote it as much as I could on the internet. You know, I'm just some fucking dork. It's just really stoked about this record I wrote. You know what I mean? And uh no, man, we're all of us were absolutely floored. Uh yeah, we sold out within two days, we sold out the first wave of pre-orders. And then uh the label kind of like scrambled and was like, fuck, we need we we need to do a second pressing now while people are are still hyped on this, you know. And uh and he was like, you know, we we don't want he's like, I don't uh, good fight is such a great label it's it's carl and rick from right. from right. ferret right um you can tell they actually give a shit about people that buy records you know what i mean and it's really great to work with a label that, that feels that way but he was like let's do a second pressing but like let's do a lot i don't want to put out a record that's just sold out he's like i want this record to come out and like the records be in the stores and have the record available, like for people that find us later on and stuff. So they did a second pressing and they, they did it just as big as the first pressing. And I was like, wow, they just doubled it. And, uh, you know, it's awesome. It, you know, we, we sold a shitload of records. There's still like 60 or 60 or 80 copies or so, um, in the good fight store out of the like 2000 they pressed. Wow. So it was it was it was crazy to have that response for sure. I did not did not expect it at all. I didn't even like the the thought of selling out records wasn't even on my radar. I remember it was like we announced at like eleven a.m. or something like that, and we had that single and a music video, and it had to been like two p.m. or something like that. And my, I remember our label texting or Rick from our label texting me and been like, "Dude, we sold six hundred and fifty of these already." I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> it's like you're fucking with me, aren't you? <laughs> like, I didn't even think that that's possible. That many people would click on that, you know? And uh, yeah, within within a, a just over a day, day and a half or so, it was under two days. They're all gone. It's like, man, it's fucking wild. <laughs> Thanks that's everybody that cool. bought one. If if anybody listens. <laughs> yeah, that's a super welcoming return, you know? Yeah, it was really, 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 really crazy. <laughs> I did like I said, it wasn't even on my radar how many records we'd sell. Like I was just right. more like, I want people to hear the song. I'm really excited about it. I hope, I hope like the news outlets and stuff, I hope people share it. And I was like, I was more concerned with just people hearing it. I didn't think that they would not only like it, but like fucking throw money at it. You know what I mean? So it was very, very, very cool. That's super cool. And, and, and that's just about a year ago. So, uh, yes, it was surprising to me to see that you're back already with another record. But then when I dug into it a little bit, read the press (laughs) release and saw, okay. But, but what I, what I first thought this new record relapses is what I first thought it was, is just a remix of, distractions that's not exactly what it is though can you explain what relapses is what what do you call it a reimagining what is this thing um i I call them my relapses (laughs) they are my relapses so it it is it's it, it is a remix album we're called i mean it's essentially a remix album sure um but so if you think about it distraction was 13 tracks um the the 
the final track on Distractions, Strange Music, uh, which is like an eight eight minute song. Um, we actually cut about four minutes off that that track. It was a bunch of like industrial kind of electronic stuff. Throughout Distractions, there's like little splashes of electronic music. We tried to make yeah. it. I, I have always had a passion for it. Um, Chris, our singer, is a huge uh, electronic nerd as well. Um, I mean, him and I both grew up listening to that stuff as well. You know, in my <laughs> younger years, I mean, like Prodigy, Nine Inch Nails, like that's all the shit I heard, you know, until I sure. got into Converge and stuff. And even now, like, you know, Youth Code and Health and The Body, and, and, and I'm wearing an author, author Punisher, Punisher shirt right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like that means that's always been part of my, uh, my love, my passion, right? Um, so anyway, I couldn't quite get it finished. I didn't really feel great about it. I felt it was too much electronic stuff. Um, so we ended up cutting it off the record. So that's where this whole thing kind of started is I had this like four minute song that was at like its infancy. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? I feel like I put a lot of work into it and I don't want it to just go to wait, where to, to waste. So I kind of started just brainstorming, brainstorming. A few months go by, and uh, I was talking to Curly Swope. You know Zombie Shark? Yes, yes. Out of Philly? Yeah, yep. Uh, No, Baltimore? No, Philly. Yeah, Philly, Philly, yeah. 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 We met in Baltimore. That's what it was. So we're we're on on tour. Uh, Distractions just released, and we're on tour with uh, Bandit supporting that record. And we played the Metro at in Baltimore and, and Curly came out and uh, him and I were just chit chatting in the back of the room. And I was kind of telling him about like my love for electronic music. And I randomly just was like, man, it'd be cool to do like a, a remix album from distractions. I was like, there's so much stuff going on in that record. I was like, I feel like so much more music could even be written from it. Cause that's, you know, like these two minute songs have 15 riffs in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, dude, if you do a remix album, I I need to do a track. So then that kind of just got the juices flowing. So then I started, um, I kind of put the whole idea together and I pitched it to Good Fight. And again, like working with a small label, you know, they hear this like asinine fucking idea. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, I want to do this thing where like each track is remixed by a different artist. um, But I don't want them to be like just you know, just EDM, you know, I want them to be all like more on the aggressive side of stuff. So like I started like kind of just cherry picking musicians and stuff. Um, we did put some on there that, um, aren't as aggressive, like child of night. Um, but, but, you know, like with him, uh, it was just somebody we knew Jonathan Thompson is the main member of child of night, which was the old guitar player of the heartland, which was our drummer's old band. So a band we used to tour with a bunch back in the day. So anyway, so that's essentially what relapses is, is it's the 13 tracks of distractions that have been all remade. I, I reimagined just sounds kind of like a, a, a story <laughs> like a, a PBS yeah, like- story. Yeah. Disney story to me. So like, and remix just sounds like it's going to be like, just right. Techno, it has a dance you know? and, yeah. and it's, it's not, it's not dance music either. Um, so like everything just kind of been remade. We'll say that. And I say that because I did some tracks 
You know what I mean? Right. So like um, the opening track to this, the record um, was just like that intro track. I ended up turning that. I don't, have you, did you listen to the record? Did you get yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah, several times actually. A couple, a couple times. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. So like the first, the first song I ended up turning into just this fucking punishing breakdown. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then it goes right into this remix that's like super mellow which and, is like dancing um, right track two is track two is like dancing yeah that's the only one that's that's the child of night one yeah that's mm-hmm. about the only one that kind of has that dancey vibe to it and then from there it goes right into macau which is just like noise core <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just um yeah so um yeah. So like I said, all, all the tracks are, are done by different artists. Um, and then one thing I, I, I just kept having ideas, man. And like, I just kept running with it, you know, like I'm going to do this track and then strange music. I did that track, um, which is literally just sped up 10 times. <laughs> and then I pitched Fox's vocals down and it sounds like a gore grind song. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like the electronic songs, those like cyber grind songs, the two thirty-five second ones from Distractions. Mm-hmm. I ended up reverse engineering those back into like guitar and bass drum driven grindcore songs. So now that we had Jimmy in the band, um, he recorded the drums on those. I wrote guitar parts to him. And because it was a remake album, um, I remember talking to Fox. I was like, Do you want to do these songs? Like rewrite your patterns or do the same thing. And then uh, it just like clicked. It's like, let's just get guest vocalists mm-hmm. for those two songs. So those two songs we remade, but then instead of having Fox just do the same patterns over the songs, I just gave the lyrics to two of our, our friends, one uh, being rich of sawtooth grin and then uh, Kyle Medina body snatcher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they both absolutely fucking killed it. <laughs> those right, two yeah. tracks. Are, are are some of my favorite songs that I've I've ever written, man. They just are punishing. And we got to play them live over this weekend too. It was really fun. So yeah, and then the final thing was that that track that was unfinished. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the last things. I like hemmed and hawed. I was like, it's gotta be the perfect artist. It's gotta be the perfect artist. And I just I I didn't know who it was gonna be. And Jimmy is friends with Dylan of Full of Hell. And uh, he ended up reaching out to him and we kind of explained the whole situation, what we got going on. And then we kind of told him about the collab idea and he was like into it. And I was like, holy shit, full of hell would be really, really cool. And he, he was like into the idea for a little bit. And then like two, three weeks went by and he finally came back and was just like, man, as much as I want to do this, we got too much too much stuff going on, which they did. I mean, they dropped like 15 records last year. So. Yeah. It's like, like usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he ended up just being like, yeah, I got too much stuff going on. And then, um, it was Fox. It was just like, have you thought about frontier? I was like, I did. I don't know. They, they're busy too, man. Like they have a big schedule going on. And honestly, like Pedram and I have chit chatted here and there over the years, just random, messages like hey i like your band and hey you're you're pretty cool and stuff and i just was like you know fuck it i'll just shoot my shot and i reached out to him and you know he's a different time zone but the next morning i woke up to a voice message from him it was like yeah man i'd love to hear uh, hear this track it'd be so cool to do a um a collab 
so then, uh, yeah, I sent him the track and, uh, we went back and forth on it. He did all the percussion stuff. He kind of like neutered all the percussion stuff I did and redid it, which I love what he did. And then, uh, he sent it back to me and I added the guitars and just turned into this like weird amalgamation of like nine inch nails meets Rammstein. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird because it's like, I I was talking about it with Chad last night. Uh, Chad from Frontier, and uh, he's like, you know, it's been weird the 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 response to it, you know, because like some people are all about it, you know. Pe- some people have big open mind, and as long as it's heavy and their favorite artists are on it, they're fucking for it. But right. some people are very much like, I'm not into this, <laughs> and that's fine, <laughs> you know, and that's totally fine, you know. For everybody that's not, there's somebody new that will be, and and that's kind of the whole point of this thing is it's like this record was for us, mm-hmm. you know, this, this distractions was like, was literally my distraction. Right. Right. And I, I wrote that record. Obviously I wrote it for me, mm-hmm. but like I also wrote like, a, you know, uh, I wanted to produce something really heavy. I wanted to produce something that was really fast and filthy and blah, blah, blah. Like I had goals in mind as far as the sound and, and the energy of the record. You know what I mean? which isn't necessarily for me and just, you know, like I like it. I wrote it. I wrote stuff I like, but I, I, you know, I wanted it to be a good record as well. So with relapses, it was just like, let's just do only what we want. <laughs> you know? So we reached out to a bunch of artists, like every artist on this record is, is artists that I listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody on there are, are friends of ours that we all like their music as well. So, I mean, we have deep respect for these artists that were part of it. Some of them I didn't even know, like the, the John Connor brothers. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them at all? No, not. They're one of the ones I'm not familiar with. Do you know the band LLNN? Yes. In Belgium. Are they a Belgian band? Yes. Denmark. Denmark. Pelagic Records. Yes. But I am familiar with them. And they buy cool records as LLNN. Okay, so uh, Kito and Rasmus are two brothers. They're the guitar players from LLNN. Are the two yeah. same two dudes that do uh, John Connor? Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's it's because uh, like LLNN has that very like kind of dark theatrical, mm-hmm. just doomy, sludgy deliciousness. They're amazing. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's like LLNN is one of Fox's and I's favorite bands. And, um, that was definitely another one of those shoot your shot. Like I never met those dudes. I've never talked to those dudes. Right. And I just messaged them one day and was just like, Hey, I have this wacky idea. <laughs> and you know, he, they're, they're from Denmark. And, uh, um, he replied, he was like, yes, I'd like to remix your grindcore song. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, it was, it was really, really you know, it's one of those things where, again, it was, this is a big record for us. And like I was seeing earlier is it's one of those things where it's like, I hope people see at least like all the, the work and all the passion and all the art and musicianship that went into this whole thing. Cause it's a, it's a wild ride for sure. <laughs> well, that's kind of why I wanted to, wanted to say that it's more than just a remix. I understand that it is a remix album, but there's, but like you said, it's not just the, it's not just the basic track with a little flair to it. Right. You know, we've seen other stuff like that before. Yeah. This feels, it feels like, two separate albums distractions right. and, and relapses that's that's just, why we 
Yeah, that's why we gave them different names. Mm-hmm. You notice that all the track names are different from the originals. Right, and we right. put in parentheses, you know, who I put re you know, edits, you know, like the other side is in parentheses, black magnets edits. Right. You know, this is what I gave them. I literally gave them stems, you know, which is just the multi tracks from Ableton. And it's just like every solo track. I just gave it to him and said, do whatever. Right. You have full autonomy to just go fucking nuts. I literally made perfectly clear that I didn't want to have any like input on it. You know what I mean? Like I picked you guys because I respect you as musicians. I want you to just do it. And everybody delivered. Well, the like one more you just so than there, I black, can imagine. Black Magnet. That's that's my favorite one on there. But maybe that's oh, just nice. my affinity for that band as as they are. So I like that you guys combined for that one. I love James. He's such a good dude. He is. He's actually, uh, you know, I was, I was doing an interview recently. Maybe it was just yesterday, whatever. I keep referring to the interview I did yesterday, but we were talking about how accidentally hitting have accidentally not hitting the record button on one of these. And I think, and I would say, I think I did that with him once. Oh no. So we we spent like three hours together, you know, cause we went, (laughs) cause he was cool enough to be like, let's do it all again. You know, let's Uh, do it. Yeah. 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 He's a yeah. he's a great dude. He um you remember the band Destroyer Destroyer? Yeah. Um Jamie, um, who's now not with us any longer, but uh his roommate was James. Mm, I didn't know. Um and we uh the bass player Destroyer Destroyer actually did a tour with us. So we had like a huge rapport with Destroyer Destroyer. We we're really great friends with them. And I didn't look into the Black Magnet band. Um, it was a newer band for me. I discovered them during COVID and uh, I had just reached out to them and James got back was like, I fucking love you guys. Uh, I saw you guys play with Jamie. I'm his old roommate. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. Yeah. It is. But, uh, I mean, we yeah. all kind of know each other in this thing one way or another, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a it's... small community of music, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So the record comes out February 16th. What yeah. are you most looking forward to with the release of relapses? Honestly, I I'm really excited for all of these artists to get their, get to share what they've made, you know, cause it was really hard to pick the singles because we wanted to mirror distractions. If it wasn't for that, I don't think we would have done all the single thing. I'm not, I'm not sure. Cause in a remix album, it's weird to do singles. Cause it's like, how do you pick, which was right. hard, but we, again, we wanted to mirror, um, how distractions was. So in November we, we released the first single and then we waited till the halfway through January and then the end of January to do another, you know, pair of singles. So, you know, like the black magnet, and the frontier tracks and then the two grind songs that I remade with the rich and Kyle doing, that's what people have heard. Just those four tracks out of 14. So there's 10 other tracks on there. Um, that's, you know, eight other artists that haven't been heard yet. So I'm really, I'm really excited to hear everybody's response to all of it. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it's a wild ride, (laughs) you know, it it is, and it's really cool. Like um, Jeff McKinnon, um, who's also, I think he's in your area. Jeff McKinnon, um, he works at Controlled Sound Studios, bunch of metalcore. He's really good at that yeah. stuff, especially like the more like, um, you know, the more synthesizer driven metalcore stuff. Yeah, uh, he yeah. did the zombie shark stuff. 
anyway, he's, he mastered the record. I think he did an amazing job. Like I, taking all these songs that are different levels, different vibes, different tunings, different, you know, girth to this, the different weight to the low end, different treble. And he made it feel cohesive somehow. All these tracks, instead of sounding just like a compilation, that was the main thing I told him. I was like, I don't want it to just sound like a compilation. I want it to have like some sort of co- um, cohesiveness. And he was right on the same page with these. It's like, that's what I'm going for hundred percent. So I think, cool. I think despite, yeah, it's, it's, it's all over the place, but at the same time, like it all works, you know, it just, and it was, ra- it was random, you know, like I, I, uh, I was letting the artists pick their tracks, you know, as I was signing up artists, I'd be like, what track do you want? And they'd get to pick. I didn't, I didn't want to have any control over it. I, I completely relinquished control for this. Just, That's very fun. cool. The the results uh, seem. I mean, it it worked out. It all worked out. Uh, yeah. Which is which is a. Uh, I like this. I like this for you for the for the resurgence of see you next Tuesday. It's a very it's a very cool thing, and your enthusiasm is you know through the roof with this, and I could tell. It seems like it's it's yeah. going very well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was a I ton will, of fun. So yeah, it sounds like it. Truly, it does sound like it. Um you've put out essentially two records in the space of a year. What's next for see you next Tuesday. Well, um, the next big thing that we have that is coming up is the, uh, we do have an actual tour. Uh, we're hitting the road for 16 days. Um, unfortunately we just, you know, we, we all have day jobs. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing that I, I have to let people down about is that, you know, we can't, drop everything and go on tour for 30 plus days. It's not in the cards. We're adults. Right. We got homes and mortgages and jobs and a finite amount of PTO. And again, our singers, a, a tattoo artist, And, you know, if he takes time off, he, it, he doesn't have income, you know, it is what it is. So, um, we're doing that tour 16 days going down to, uh, through, Kentucky, Tennessee, hitting Texas, going over to Florida, coming back up through Georgia and, and hitting a bunch of places that we've been wanting to for a long time. So we're really excited about that. But outside of that, you know, we, we put all our cards on this, this one big tour. Um, and it's not even that big, but for, for a bunch of 40 year olds that are playing grind core that doesn't make money, <laughs> it's big. Um, so with that said, um, I don't want to be just dormant, even though I know we're not going to be hitting the road a whole bunch for the rest of 2024. So we want to, we want to start writing. And I mean, I'm, I'm literally, you see that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you go? Um, so yeah, um, just this past weekend, I went down to our drummer's house in Columbus and we, we set up and just um, for the past like three months, I had this notepad in my phone of different drum beats that just came to my head and like it's total jargon and only I can understand what it was. But we went down and we recorded stuff and he jammed and just did some blast patterns or cool patterns he came up with. We went through my rigorous notes in three days of him blasting his fucking ass off. Um, I have all these drum tracks and I'm not going to give away any secrets right now, but um, like the whole collab thing that we just did, even though it was a remix album, 
um, just working with all these artists and being able to pick their brains and vice versa or hear their different ideas, especially, you know, being able to do the collaboration with Pedram from Frontier. I mean, that mm-hmm. that, that dude is a genius. And um, I, I think that's kind of the direction that we want to, to lead into. So uh, we have a project that involves two other bands um, that's going to be with this recordings here. And then I have some other stuff that's kind of in the works, but overall um, we're going to keep writing music and it's going to keep being weird, but it's going to, it, you know, we're still going to put out some heavy ass fucking grindcore. That's for sure. <laughs>
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Drew Slavic of See You Next Tuesday. The song you just heard was The Gold Room. That's the collaboration with Frontier that we talked a bit about. So that's some context for you. I want to thank Drew for his time, for his conversation, for his friendliness, and you for listening this far along in the podcast. I think in the intro, I was calling the record distractions. It's relapses. I'm getting them flip-flopped. I'm not sure why or if I even did that. Just thinking back, I wonder if I did it correctly in the beginning. I'm not going back to fix it. I like putting a little bit of misinformation out there. Who doesn't these days anyway? Anyway, like I said, it was a pleasure to speak to Drew and to get to know him just a little bit. If you want to go check out This record relapses again. It's out everywhere now available through Good Fight Music. And I believe the band might be heading out on a tour. And what better way to confirm that than looking it up yourself? Or I can just tell you it's in April. It's with Mouth Breather. And they'll be in Texas and Florida a lot if that's where you happen to reside or fucking travel to it. I don't know. Anyway. That's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank everybody again. That's extra thanks just thrown in here at the end. You don't even deserve it. I just want to give it to you. That's how nice I am. Another gift I have for you is a track from a band that I think is pretty cool. I opened this one with a track from Cell Press, and they're a band based out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And this band, Dissimulator, is also based out of the same city in the same country, in the same province. I guess I should have thrown that in there in the middle. I don't know if it's a province or state. I'm not sure exactly. Territory, maybe. I don't know how Canada does it. I'm sure I've been taught at some point, but I don't remember. Anyway, this Death Thrash band has a new record on 20 Bucks Spin. It was released earlier this year. It's called Lower Form Resistance, and this track is excellent. It's called Warped. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.